This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com. Time now for Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040. Here are your hosts, John Abbott and J.D. Burke. The Canucks GM, Jim Benning, uh, that's all said and done now as he's been delivered an extension. And you can certainly point to uh, positives during his regime with the, what he's been able to establish as a, a body moving forward into this next title of Canucks future seasons, however you want to determine it or phrase it as. Uh, and then, of course, there's some pushback as well at the same time as there would be uh, around the National Hockey League if you go into a market, most markets, uh, when you extend a general manager. I'd like to get your thoughts on where you come out with that extension, J.D., but let me first um, go back to a letter addressed to the season's ticket holders as well. Uh, before that extension came through uh, from the president, Trevor Linden. Uh, first, we all share the same goal to build a young, fast, exciting Canucks team that competes every night and ultimately has a chance to bring the Stanley Cup back to Vancouver. It then goes on to reference some of the prospects in the pipeline like Elias Patterson, Ole Ulevi, Thatcher Demko, Adam Gaudet, Cole Lind, Jonathan Dolan, and others that have made big steps. And of course, uh, those are directly tied to Jim Benning. And it's hard to argue with the last draft and some of the moves that uh, Jim has made. And I, I like the fact that, you know, there has been a general manager in place that has certainly the feel for this team and after refreshing with the head coach that they can move forward and there should be a pretty good grip on where they want to go and how they need to get there. So I'm encouraged by that. But bringing us to the trade deadline, which is next on the docket for Jim Benning, boy, that line stands out to me. Building a young, fast, exciting Canucks team. Does that include keeping... One of or both good Branson or Vanek, in my opinion, no way. That would be the opposite of that line. Well, I don't think they agree with you because if you listen to Jim Benning's press conference, what does he say? He says, we're going to evaluate the Thomas Vanek situation at the end of the year. And I hope that was him slipping up. I hope that was a mistake on his part. But everything we've heard to this point suggests, you know what? They're setting us up for lowered expectations. When Jim Benning gets in front of the trade deadline and he says to fans, he says to the media at his press conference, you know, people are valuing those picks and prospects like gold. I don't know. We'll we'll see what we can do. Does that fill you with a lot of confidence? When he goes and he makes several interviews to tell people that he wants to re-sign Eric Goodbranson, he wants to double down on that mistake, does that fill you with a lot of confidence that he's going to do the right thing at this deadline? The only people I can say with any certainty that I see as the Canucks possibly moving person, rather, is Ben Hutton. And you want to be younger? You want to be faster? How do you do that with Eric Goodbranson playing 20 minutes a night, making $4 million a season? How do you do that with a 35-year-old Thomas Vanek? People need to realize this. Thomas Vanek is going to be 35 years old next season. He's had a great first year with the Canucks. But you know what? It's been almost the exact season that he had with the Detroit Red Wings last year. And you know what's even more problematic? Is that a lot of Vanek's scoring came in the middle of the season. He's starting to tail off. We're starting to see that. You know why? Because players in their mid-30s can't produce the way they used to for extended periods of time and these two players are ones that we're talking about as a possibility to come back next season on what planet does a rebuilding team do that is there any justification for that i mean that to me is unfathomable i don't i can't even believe that we're having this conversation 
Well, I think that, I mean, this, the deal to me for Vanek this year fit with this team. And it was a I'm good okay. Contract. I'm okay with that type of deal moving forward. Doesn't have to be the same player moving forward. I think they should trade Thomas Vanek at the deadline. And from what we learned, from what I've read, and from what's been out there from the Vanek camp, boy, it certainly sounds like if he's moved, and then there's consi- consideration on bringing him back to Vancouver, i.e., resigning him as a free agent when the season's done. It would take money, and it would take term, mostly term. And I'm not sure that that fits with what the Canucks are are moving forward with and so it just doesn't seem like any of the roads lead back to Thomas Vanek in my opinion and that's going to be one of the decisions that has to be made from Jim Benning moving forward by the way you can reach us with your thoughts on this 1-844-876-1040 locally 604-280-1040 email us live at tsn1040.ca text this at 104040 please sign your text and email submissions. Poll question. Well, here's another hot topic as it relates to Jim Benning, and that is one of the big knocks on him is the contract to Louis Erickson. How much was he uh, involved in that? Well, certainly it goes on his title as acting GM. Interesting to know some of the backstory. How much do you believe? But uh, questions as to whether the big fish was uh, certainly going to be uh, held out there but unable to uh, to grab Milan Lucic from the Edmonton Oilers, and so uh, committed right. committed to spending money, and so spending money is what they did, bringing in Louis Erickson, thinking that that was going to continue and prolong the careers of Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Poll question on TSN1040.ca: Is it time to sit Louis Erickson? Yes, it's long overdue. No, what difference does it make with the Canucks and how they're playing and where they're headed this year? Or yes, yeah, sit him on a plane to Utica that's the question tsn1040.ca and at tsn1040 on Twitter John Abbott JD Burke with you right up until 5 o'clock you can have your say and uh, text messages have been uh, coming in LB in North Van says yeah leaving on a jet plane to steal it from uh, <laughs> to steal it from the song and so he's voicing his opinion there Sam and Lake Couchin Hey, I'd rather have good Branson and Vanek back next season than than the Sedins because of how slow those guys make the team. And pardon me, just reading it as it comes in via text. So there's one opinion I haven't heard as it relates to Daniel and Henrik, but could you swap out? So let's say the Sedins retire. Does that make your appetite for bringing back good Branson and Vanek any more so? How are those two related? I don't see that. I, I'm really struggling with this one, Abs. I do appreciate the listener feedback. But Henrik and Daniel Sedin have 35 and 37 points apiece. They're two of the best Canucks players when it comes to two-way profile, meaning how the Canucks do when they are on the ice. Thomas Vanek, 35. He's going to have 40 points-ish by the end of the season, 40 to 50, somewhere in that range. Thomas Vanek can't skate either. <laughs> I mean, for all that Thomas Vanek does well, and I've really been a fan of the way he's played this season, and like you said, I think it's a good point. That is the type of contract that a rebuilding team should sign for the purposes of the trade deadline. It's something called using your biggest assets as a Canadian market, and that is cash to buy draft picks. And I just don't see how the two are related. 
because is Thomas Vanek going to be producing like that next season? I don't know. It's really volatile. The guy's going to be 35 years old. And does Eric Goodbranson make the Canucks a faster team? Have you seen him skate? I'm, I don't know. I'm not buying that. And especially when you look at what it's going to take to commit to Eric Goodbranson, you're talking 4.2 to 4.7 million dollars per polling done. Yeah, the numbers volleyball. scare me. The numbers scare me on Goodbranson. That's one of the biggest reasons that I just don't see how it fits. But precisely the numbers the potential number even if it's lower than what many would consider market value or what's out there on july 1st that still scares me daryl writes in the argument i've heard for keeping veteran players and signing free agents is that they want to have young players in a competitive environment this way they avoid being like the oilers pre-mcdavid fans in the team have used this argument many times do people not realize they're doing exactly what the Oilers did in the first half of their downturn? Flailing around and signing free agent players just trying to get them to eighth spot to compete for the playoffs? The Canucks are trying to win and still over the last three years are one of the worst teams in the league. They are the Oilers now. Why don't people see some of this? The vision of ownership via the president is quite disheartening, at least to this fan. From Daryl. I'm liking it, and I'll tell you why. We need to hold these people accountable. That's our job as media. It's to inform the fan base, and you're bringing some of that to Nation Network Radio. You want to know something that's really distressing? The Canucks have spent to the salary cap or near it all four seasons. Do you know what their record is in the NHL over that period? They have the 26th best record. Put in another way, fifth worst. Do you know what their record is when you look at just the last three seasons? They have the second lowest points percentage in the NHL, just barely ahead of the Arizona Coyotes. And that's one thing. If you're accumulating assets, if you're trying to build towards the future, if you're making rebuild-type moves. But these aren't rebuild-type moves that we're talking about. The Eric Branson trade, that was three futures for somebody who was two years away from UFA status. How was that a futures move? Louis Erickson, somebody going into his 30s for $6 million for six years, was that a move that's going to help them in the future? Fans have a right to be upset, and I, I think that people need to voice their concerns a bit more actively because if you can spend the salary cap and you can't build a competitive team, I don't know if there's a worse indictment in today's NHL. Still another submission, Josh from Comox. There should be one option with Vanek. Trade him for anything. Then if you really need a veteran presence, sign any 30-plus player for a million bucks. There's going to be a ton of those available, again, from Josh. And thanks to all those who are writing in. Still have time up until 5 o'clock to submit your text, emails, or give us a call if you want to engage a little bit uh, longer on some of those topics. I'll throw one out to you. Should Ben Hutton be sitting tonight, J.D.? No. Why is he sitting? Like... We've seen enough Alex Biega. He's in his late 20s. We know what Alex Biega is. What room for growth is there from a player as old as Alex Biega? And we all love his story. We love how the Bulldog came from obscurity to develop late into an NHL 7th defenseman. But that's what he is. You can find those players in free agency year after year after year. They might not have the qualities as a person that Biega has, and certainly those are legion. You hear people talk about the Bulldog. They've got nothing but good things to say. But I don't want to see him playing ahead of young players with something to prove, something to learn, something to give this team for the next three, four years. Is there any appetite for that? And I'll take it a step further. If it's not Ben Hutton in the lineup, why isn't it Philip Holm? That's what I want to know, because you look at this team's reputation with European free agents, whether it's somebody like Alex Burmistra bolts halfway through. Nikita Triamkin bolts after two seasons. 
Anton Rodin, that story's well documented. Don't you think that they have to get a win on the European free agent ledger? Especially when somebody asked the Canucks at their press conference on Wednesday, how are you going to turn this around? You say draft and develop. Are there any other avenues? The first thing they said was European free agents. Don't they owe it to their fans to prove that they can make one work? Well, there is the theory that, like other coaches before Travis Green, they want to get home some practice time so he can be up to speed when he hits the lineup. So perhaps there's a chance that when Colorado comes to town in three days, that that is the window. And then there's a road trip, and of course there's still injuries keeping players out. But I'd love to see Philip home get some time. Because I'm, I have more questions with home, strangely enough, than I do with Jordan Subban. You know, I, I had a pretty good idea of what, how Jordan Subban fit, what Jordan Subban had to offer. That was through his time in Utica. That was through, what was it? Five young stars tournaments? Yeah, he played a lot. Five. <laughs> Four or five. Yeah. Which is already a sign in itself. Yeah. Uh, through exhibition play. And would I, would it have been great to see Jordan Subban for a game? Yeah. And they made a mistake not playing him in Arizona, instead returning Philip Larson. But I was still of the mind, even if I had seen Subban play, that it wouldn't have made a lot of difference as to how the team valued him, as to where he fit with this franchise, and what his upside was. I don't know any of that as it relates to Philip Holm. And there are others that obviously are paid professionally to scout that, that do have a, a good idea. But I'd just personally, I'd love to see how Holm fits and maybe round out my opinion of him. Yeah. And Philip Holm is on the record earlier this season indicating that he realizes that, hey, it might be a year mostly spent in Utica to transition to the North American game and didn't seem to be too bent out of shape about that. So as far as you're talking about the chances of losing him, well, it didn't sound like that. Now things can change. But he's been recalled for a reason. At some point, I would love to see Philip Holm in the lineup, and maybe, just maybe, it's sooner rather than later. Maybe it's the Colorado Avalanche that beckon in a couple of days. We'll continue to talk about the Canucks' current roster stacked up against the Boston Bruins. If you want to chime in on possible trades that should be made, uh, why players are sitting, why players are dressed, you can still join us right up until 5 o'clock. We have to skate right now. It is Nation Network Radio, presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on TSN 1040. Network Radio on TSN 1040. Much like uh, probably the players he referenced as we get back into our uh, next segment in the final hour of Nation Network Radio. John Abbott, J.D. Burke, thanks for being with us on this Saturday game day. Canucks and Boston Bruins coming up later this evening. And uh, Ian McCletchy and Blake Price will have you covered uh, tip to tail with a pregame show, commercial-free intermissions, and uh, 45 minutes commercial-free postgame show. Uh, that, of course, goes extended time. But right now it's Nation Network Radio. Powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill, corner of Georgia and Beatty. Come eat, drink, talk a little trash. Learn more at sharkclub.com. You can join them for Wing Wednesdays uh, or Shark After Dark. Happy hour Monday to Friday, 3 to 6. And they have Saturday and Sunday specials, uh, drink specials, and food specials as well. It was a pleasure getting in there and sitting down with uh, both Andrews, Sean, Nikki. Great group at Shark Club. And uh, we're happy to be aligned with them to bring you Nation Network Radio each and every Saturday. We'll put a pin in the lineup notes, although we can tell you that Ben Hutton is another healthy scratch yet again 
fitting into that category tonight. No Philip Holmes. Van Berge's back in. Reed Boucher's been reassigned to the Utica Comets, and we expect Goldobin to play with Horvat and Besser. Double back to Jim Benning. His contract extension. How it applies to the Canucks this year, most immediately at the trade deadline. How it applies to the Canucks moving forward. Multi-year contract extension for Jim Benning. Some reaction via text message inbox. You can join us by emailing live at tsn1040.ca. Text us at 104040 or chime in at 1-844-876-1040. Question coming through. There's been a lot of talk about whether players like Berchi, who are in their mid-20s, will be part of the Canucks next core. If you're the GM... What would be the age range of players you're trying to identify, acquiring or shipping out? Well, at this point, I don't know if it's specifically about age. I think you have to look at this roster and you go, is this good enough? Who's going to be with us when we're taking that transition going from rebuilding to rebuilt? I see two players, maybe three, that are untouchables in this regard. I look at Brock Besser. Don't trade him. I look at Bo Horvat. Yeah, thanks for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I got to ask the question. I got to answer. And mock for being thorough over here. But you know what? I'm going to say this much. If you're not one of those two players, it has to be up for debate. Because Sven Berchi, you signed him to a contract. What's he going to get? Four to five million? And he's in that RFA group. Yeah, with arbitration. So he's got high counting stats. His underlying data isn't so great. What are you going to do in that case? You're going to end up paying for the one without getting the other. And he's not, and you, he's not a young guy anymore. Would you consider him an asset to be flipped in the sense that you didn't have to give up much to get him? So if he's moved on, is that, in your opinion, making the most of a, of a player? Or does he have too much upside to let him go? Well, I mean, we talk about upside, and a lot of people, the, the misconception here is that forwards peak in their late 20s, early 30s, whatever. Forwards peak at 24-25. Sven Berchi next season is going to be 26. That isn't to say that we're, we're looking at a decline here. That's not to say that he's about to fall off. But maybe when he's 28, 29, he's not as good as he once was. At that point, you're paying for what Sven Berchi did, not what he's going to do. And that's the worry for me. He's got arbitration rights. He can use those to get the highest possible value. Is he going to be somebody who's in the top six for the Canucks when they are competing for the playoffs, for the Stanley Cup? I can't say with any confidence that he's going to be that player. I still view him as a middle sixer, and these are supposed to be the best years of his career. So am I willing to look at that, stare that situation in the face, and dedicate a significant portion of my salary cap to that player? Not if I can get a first-round pick. I'll say this about Sven Berchi. He has been given a spot on the line that every other player would like to play on, for the most part, with Bo Horvat and Brock Besser. And if uh, you can't find a way to stick there, if you find yourself in and out of the lineup, as uh, Sven has been, if you're a healthy scratch coming back into the lineup and potentially playing on the fourth line with Dowd and Bertanen tonight... Uh, yeah, there's got to be onus on you as well, okay? Whether you disagree with the coach's decision about making him a healthy scratch, and I'm not talking about Sven disagreeing. We, I think we know where he stands in that, but I'm talking about the fan base. Okay, so you may not like that, but there's onus on the player to find your way back to that position. I mean, that's a prime spot in the lineup, and if you're not playing good enough to, to stick there, there needs to be a little bit of reflection, I think, uh, on your game. Going back in time, unsigned text message here. 
going back in time, Canucks never should have hired a president, GM, and coach who all had zero experience in their positions at the NHL level. It was a recipe for disaster, which has now been proven. Resigning Jim Benning only extends the disaster. Now, before you weigh in with your opinion, JD, I would say of those three chairs, I tend to think of Jim Benning as having experience, okay? I realize the GM title is slightly different than assistant GM, but think of the body of work that Jim Benning has put in in the hockey world after his playing days. From a director of scouting, from a pro scout, from an assistant GM who, oh, by the way, won a Stanley Cup. Like, I don't, for me, I cannot lump Jim Benning firmly into that conversation as a complete raw rookie because I don't think he is. I think he's learned along the way even though the title of GM was new. Yeah, you can't debate that. I just don't put him in the same spot as Willie Desjardins who had never coached as a head coach behind the bench. And yeah, I had a, a brief stint as an assistant, but I think that is much more different than being a head coach and, and uh Obviously, Trevor Linden speaks for himself. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'd like to dispel, and I tried to do that with an article that I did for The Athletic Vancouver on Ken Holland as being somebody who I didn't see as fit for the job of rebuilding the Canucks. One notion I want to get rid of is the one that experience in and of itself is a virtue. I mean, of course, there are things you can learn. And yes, more experience is better than none. But is all experience equal? I mean, if you're telling me that all experience is equal, then I, I can't say I agree with you. I want to see some fresh faces in this management group. You know what the problem is? They're too rooted in doing things the right way. That was the thing we kept hearing in the press conference. There's only one way to do it, the right way. Well, the right way has you on pace for a third straight finish in the league's bottom three. So, I mean, I don't know if I'd use language that harsh, but yeah, I can see where the caller is coming from. This, this market was sold on a playoff run. It was sold on repeated playoffs. And is experience part of the reason that they haven't been able to bring that vision to life? Perhaps. I don't know if it is the be-all, end-all, though. And that's where I might disagree. One thing that stuck, stood out to me, though, before Jim Benning arrived on the scene, was Tortorella reflecting on his time before he was fired. And admitting that he would have liked to have gotten a little bit younger. And had more of a turnover back then. So that's... That's already a direction that was brought up by Tortorella, who was coaching the Canucks, thinking that way. Now, he, he brought it up reflecting, because obviously he didn't stick around and was let go. But if that was already on his mind then, that, that arrived before Jim Benning did. That, that train of thought. Well, and, and we can take it a step further. I think it was Bruce Daubigan's book on uh, the Canucks, The Rise and Fall. Lawrence Gilman and Mike Gillis pitched a rebuild to management. Or, sorry, to ownership. This isn't a... Well, that's what I'm getting at. So what adds up here? Ownership. Ownership. Well, yes and no, though, because I think that that's a bit of an out, because it's not like this isn't Jim Benning's vision. I've spoken to people very close to the situation, and... Jim Benning sold them on this vision. Is it what they wanted to hear? Absolutely. But it's not like Jim Benning doesn't believe in this staying competitive while rebuilding business. I think that's a get-out-of-jail-free card that he hasn't necessarily earned. We continue to get reaction. Good news is, again, unsigned text message. Oh, no, excuse me. Jim. This is from Jim. Good news is, Canucks dropped to 29th today. They're only six points out of 31st. 
I remember when Arizona lost its first 11 games, and the media said there's no way Canucks are going to catch them for first overall, but that can be achieved. And speaking of those Arizona Coyotes, try and get Domi and play him with Horvat. Uh, the, the Max Domi speculation. I mean, that move certainly fits the profile of what the Canucks have done. They've taken chances on former first-round picks. They've bought low on players when they're at low value, and sometimes it's worked. Sometimes you get Derek Pouliot. Sometimes you end up with a Sven Berchi. Other times you end up with a Linden Bay or a, you know, like a Marcus Granlund even. That, that trade looked like a clear win at the time, but if he's only a fourth liner, to what exact end did they win that trade? Uh, I look at Max Domi. Of course, the difference is he's established himself as an NHLer, and that's clearly a difference between the other two, but what's it going to cost to acquire him? And is Max Domi really a type of player that you can build your franchise around? If you look at his rookie season when he had 52 points in 81 games, I mean, perhaps you see potential there, but it's only been downhill since. 38 games last season, of course, he missed about 22 to injury. That doesn't help things out at all. He's uh, got 26 right now in just as many games as last season, so it's kind of been a downward trajectory, and that is a bit concerning, that he's kind of moving down the lineup as Arizona. How old's Domi again, though? He's 22 years old. So isn't that still in that wheelhouse where you you take a chance on a guy? I mean, how much are you willing to give up, though? That's, that's the question for me. If it's a situation where the Canucks have decided they're going to move Ben Hutton, and you can get Max Domi for Ben Hutton, uh, sure, I can see the argument for that. But if you're going to trade a second-round pick... To what exact end? Because Max Domi isn't going to turn around your rebuild. But Jim Benning, his reputation, he said it himself at the press conference. I'm best as an amateur uh, talent scout. Just give yourself a chance to hit a home run. That's what this team needs. But wouldn't you rather have Max Domi as a transitional player that can still fit with the long-term vision as opposed to giving Sam Gagne three-year deals, etc.? Like, wouldn't that be a more... Astute move as a player that can, yes, help you get through some of those tough times, fit in as a middle ground guy, but yet still be there on the other side? There's a Dorsey. The Dorsey is more Thomas Vanek-like contracts. And to be honest, I like... It's not as if we'd been proven wrong here. The Canucks have the second lowest points percentage in the league over the last three years. So is a Sam Gagne, is a Michael Delzato, is that really tiding them over? I, I can't see the results. I cannot say with any confidence that this strategy of tiding them over in the short term well, is working. Well, oh, Delzato's a way different conversation for me because of the position being different. Yeah, I, think, but- I think it's easy to say now that when the Canucks blue line's a little bit more healthy... Uh, how does Delzato fit? Well, for a while there, he was played in top-pairing minutes, and you can argue that, but they still need somebody and did need somebody when Edler and Tanev were both out. Like, that's where Delzato fit. That's why the conversation's different with him, for me, than it is with Sam Gagne. There's a reason Sam Gagne was given one-year deal after one-year deal after one-year deal. And I realized he had a heck of a season last year, and I was all in on the fact that he could help a power play, and so that probably grants him at least two. But if you're, if you're stacking up a player like Max Domi compared to Sam Gagne, I take Max Domi any day of the week because he fits with – he fits, to me, is it – player you can transition with that can help your roster in the, in the current short term but can also be there at the end and I just don't see I don't see Sam Gagne being here well what what kind of a difference do you think Max Domi makes to the lineup do they finish 27th instead of 29th because for me that's that's what the question is oh I don't care about place in the standings I'm talking about 
giving yourselves an opportunity to play with more skill, to play with more pace, to help the players that are on your team. Like he's going to help players on his line. That's going to be new line of new way of thinking NHL players, Max Domi. Yeah, but you don't have to sign Sam Gagne, and you can look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. To me, they are the gold standard for how you rebuild. There was a little bit of luck along the way, a lot of luck, really. If you get Austin Matthews first overall, obviously that's going to expedite the process. But they didn't sign any Sam Gagne's to three-year deals. They went after Parento and other market inefficiencies like that for one-year deals, and then they flipped them for picks. We have to skate again on this segment. One more left before the boys take over. Price and McClutchy with countdown to face off at 5 o'clock. Still time to get to more of your reaction, courtesy email inbox and on the phone line. And we will do that. We still have some text messages coming in. Uh, it is Nation Network Radio up until 5 o'clock. John Abbott, J.D. Burke with you on TSN 1040. Time to sit Louis Erickson. Overwhelming response is, yes, 61% saying it is long overdue. That won't be the case tonight against Erickson's former team, the Boston Bruins, but Ben Hutton finds himself uh, back in the press box. No Hutton, no home. Berchi gets back in. Boucher reassigned to Utica. Because our time frame is limited here, J.D., let's get to more reaction from the text message and email inboxes. Uh, what would it like... What would the conversation be like today if the Canucks still had Nikita Trampkin? Steve from Surrey with that question. Well, thanks for chiming in, Steve. Really appreciate that. And you know what? For me, I can boil it down to one simple answer. There is no way this team would be considering re-signing Eric Goodbranson. That's what the conversation would be like. I mean, Nikita Triampkin was more physical last season. He had better underlying results. You like to think that he has more to give, that he can develop into a better player. And certainly, as year in the KHL indicates, that there has been some growth. So that's where I land on that question. Do we have anything else? What do you think the Canucks would, are doing wrong or right with Philip Holm currently? Well, I, I don't know if they're doing anything wrong or right with him yet. I think they're not doing anything with him, period. <laughs> I'd say that that's the problem. Uh, I think right now they've actually done things pretty well. They've let him get acclimated to the North American game. I just want to see him play. I mean, the, the, the preseason was not that good for home. Left a lot to be desired, but that's to be expected when you're coming over from Sweden. So that's all I want to see. We'll join you again next week at the end of our Olympic coverage on TSN 1040, as well as a proud affiliate of the 2018 Olympic Winter Games from Pyeongchang, uh, Korea. DT and I will have the call of Canada along with uh, Korea this morning, 4 o'clock Pacific time. It is Blake Price, Ian McClutchy, even saw Tony Gallagher. Nice to see TG in the house yeah, uh, stride on by. That. Uh, so fantastic to have those gentlemen uh, coming up at 5 o'clock on behalf of J.D. Burke, along with Renel Desai, who is uh, got us from A to B and always does a great job uh, behind the glass as it were along with Bob Beers uh, and Yannick uh, Bleacher thanks for joining us on Nation Network Radio presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on TSN 1040 this TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford it's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com